So once again, we want to welcome you here this morning. You know, we have some guests here with us, and great to have you here. Once again, my name's Joe Crummy, one of the leaders here at the Meeting Place Church, and I'm going to be uh, teaching and preaching this morning from the New Testament book of Acts, chapter 19, and we've been doing a whole s- series the last uh, several months as our church, and we've been going through uh, the book of Acts and just seeing how the early church got started and how these followers of Jesus began to move and organize themselves and what was important to them, and how does that then apply to our lives today. And so we had Brent last week uh, do an excellent job from Acts 17 when Paul went to Athens and just his speech and talked to uh, the group there. And we see different reactions to that. And some people believe and some people made fun of them. Some people wanted to know more. And as we go through in chapter 18, Paul goes to Corinth and then he makes his way to Ephesus and he's just there a little bit. And then he leaves again. They, they ask him to stay and he says, I'm going to come back. And we pick up the story here at Acts 19 when Paul comes back to the city of Ephesus to uh, meet there. So that's where we're going to pick it up this morning. And we're going to see some interesting things that Paul does when he meets with these uh, early Christians. And we're going to learn some things. And then we're going to see if we can bring some application to it as well. So let's read the text first. Again, this is Acts chapter 19, uh, picking up at verse 1. And it happened that while Apollos, Apollos was another guy we meet in chapter 18, was at Corinth, so he was at Ephesus, and then he went to Corinth to kind of trade at places. Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, no, we've not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, into what then were you baptized? And they said, into John's baptism. And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who is to come after him, that is Jesus. So that's referring to John the Baptist. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And there were about 12 men in all. So we're just going to take a look at today, because this is kind of a controversial passage, uh, depending upon where you're coming from, in the sense of talking about the Holy Spirit and Believing as Christians, when we put our faith in Christ and we receive his salvation, everything that we are sharing about this morning already in the scriptures that were read out and what Gary read out from Romans 6, we receive the Holy Spirit. We receive the Spirit of God. And the question is, in Christianity, uh, for the last 2,000 years, is when we become Christians, we receive the Holy Spirit. We all agree on that. The disagreement comes sometimes is actually, are we then filled or baptized in the Holy Spirit at conversion, or does that happen sometime afterwards? So that's a big question in Christian circles, and it comes right down to our present day. And so we're going to look at this morning that sort of question, that sort of the context, and we're going to try to learn from this text to answer that question. So here we go. You ready? This is exciting. Okay. Here we go. First of all, we just need to do some background about the Holy Spirit, and we have to remember that when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we see the Holy Spirit evidenced all the way through the Old Testament. You pick it up right in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth. Okay, The Holy Spirit was there hovering and brought order out of chaos. So the Holy Spirit's right in Genesis 1. And we can see all the way through the Old Testament. And most commentators believe when these guys in Ephesus said, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit, they weren't necessarily talking about we haven't heard of the Holy Spirit. Most commentators believe 
they were talking about, we haven't heard that there's a baptism or a filling of the Holy Spirit. Because most people uh, understood that the Holy Spirit was referenced in the Old Testament. But we start to pick up, and we did this with the guys yesterday at our men's weekend. We began to pick up the story of how God wants a people for himself, how he walked with Adam and Eve, how sin came in when they disobeyed God and it broke and that relationship and forever altered the relationship that God wanted a people for himself that he could relate to, that were his, that were set apart, that he could walk with, that he could be with. And we pick up in the Old Testament how he set apart the Jews. He picked Abram, made promises to him. He became Abraham. And from there, we pick up the story of Moses and he brings his people out of slavery and he gives them these promises. And all the way through, we see the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit only comes upon certain people at certain times for a certain job. Okay, So we see that he maybe came upon Moses. We see David was filled with the Holy Spirit for a certain job, for a certain task. But your average person who was in the people of God did not, was not filled with the Holy Spirit. So we looked at yesterday, prophet, priest, and king, how the Jewish people were set up. They had a priesthood, one tribe, the Levites, and they served God. And we had a king who was over, and most of the time the kings weren't that great. And then we had some prophets show up who were anointed by the Spirit, and they would say, thus saith the Lord, and they would speak. But most people, that was just a few. But we have these promises all the way through the Old Testament that a day is coming when things are going to change. And we begin to pick up these uh, verses all the way through, like Isaiah and Jeremiah, all about a new covenant. And God's going to give us a new heart. And as the Ten Commandments were written on stones, but now God's going to write things on our heart. And we're going to have a new heart. And God's going to put a new spirit within us. And we pick up in Joel and uh, this prophecy that, you know, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh, men and women, young and old. And the excitement begins to build. And as we look at Christmas, if you look at Luke chapter 1 and 2, when we see about Jesus we begin to see the Holy Spirit, who we didn't see much of, all of a sudden is everywhere. The Holy Spirit speaks. The Holy Spirit, okay, by the power of the Holy Spirit, Mary becomes pregnant with Jesus. The Holy Spirit, you know, John the Baptist, even in his mother's womb, even Elizabeth's womb, the Holy Spirit jumped and Mary came because Jesus was there. All of a sudden, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, everywhere. And you begin to say, something's about to change. Okay, that's the background And this is why it's so important that when Jesus came, and Jesus didn't talk a lot about the Holy Spirit until actually he was about to be crucified and return to his Father in heaven. And he began to teach his disciples about this, the promise of the Father. And again, them being Jews, they would know what he was talking about all the way through. And you remember Jesus, when he got up, when he began his ministry, Okay, he was baptized, the Holy Spirit came upon him. Next thing he got up, and he quoted Isaiah 61 in the synagogue. He said, the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to preach good news. And he goes through all the things, and he said, today, in your hearing, this is fulfilled. And Jesus ushered in a whole new age of the Spirit. And Jesus made some of these incredible things, okay? He said, okay, folks, guys, this is one of the most incredible things in the Bible, he said to his disciples, guys, it's better for you that I go away than if I stay. Now, if there was ever a statement in the Bible that if I was one of those disciples that I would disagree with the words of Jesus, that would be it. I'd be like, Jesus, what are you talking about? I mean, you've been three years with Jesus. You've given up stuff. 
you know, you've been persecuted some, but you've been with Jesus, okay? And Jesus was an exciting guy to be with. Okay, if you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, he was an exciting guy to be around. Okay, when Jesus showed up, things happened. Okay, miracles happened all the time. And it'd be like this, I'd be like, we're with, we're with him. Okay, we're, we're, we're with him. Okay, demons were cast out. The blind were made so they could see. Okay, just incredible things. And Jesus brought this incredible teaching. People were like, wow, we've never heard anything like it. What authority? It was, he was exciting. He went to parties. Okay, he went to weddings. Turned water into wine. He went to funerals. The dead were raised. Now, I think that would be pretty cool. Because we all say, man, if I could just, if I was back there 2,000 years and I got to walk with Jesus, I'd believe in Jesus. <laughs> and then Jesus says this. Hey, guys, it's been great being with you. But actually, you know what? It's even better that I'm going. And they're just like, huh? And Jesus made this promise. He said, because if I go, okay, I'm going to send someone just like me to be with each of you. Because Jesus can only be physically one place, one time. They had to be with Jesus physically in a in human body. And Jesus makes this, begins to teach him. You can read it in John 14, 15, and 16. These promises. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Fear not. And they're like, but Jesus, if we could just see the Father, we'd be okay. And Jesus is like, hey, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, I'm going to send another one, another counselor, a comforter, a helper who's going to be just like me. So if we get freaked out and say, oh, I don't know what the Holy Spirit's like, look at Jesus. He's like Jesus. And then he begins to teach them. The Holy Spirit's going to be your teacher. He's going to remind you of my things, Jesus. He's going to remind you of my teachings. Okay? He's going to reveal things to you from the Father and from me. He's going to give you peace. Okay? He's a wonderful counselor. All these things. That's the background. You've got to understand the background for where Paul's getting to when he meets up with these guys in Ephesus. Okay? He says, it's a promise. And what did he say to his disciples after the resurrection? He says, wait, hold, time out, don't do anything until you've been clothed with power from on high. He gives them all his commands. You're going to go to the nation and all that, but don't, don't, wait, wait, hold, wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Then you can go. That's the promise. And the promise is all the way through the Old Testament. We don't have time today to go through it. But you can get out a highlighter and you can begin to go through Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel. You can go through Joel. And it's this promise that's coming. And Jesus talks about it. And folks, the reason why we're harping in on it's a promise that I have here, it's not a perhaps. <laughs> well, perhaps if I'm good enough, perhaps, you know, those in leadership, they really need it. Perhaps, perhaps, it's a promise And Peter said this, if you remember back in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, after the Holy Spirit had been poured out, he got up in front of everyone, he preached Jesus, and they said, what do we do? And Peter replied, this is Acts 2, 38 and 39, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise, the promise, is for you and your children, for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call so we're building an argument here that if god's called you to jesus in his sovereignty if he's called you to jesus then the promise is for you even if you were far off as jody read this morning jew gentile as we're going to see the promise is 
for you. So if you've been called to Jesus, the promise is not a perhaps, you know, it's a promise, a gift. And that's what we're going to take a look at. And all the way through, we can see the importance of being filled with the Holy Spirit. In different ways, but same results. So quick review. Some of you have been here all the way through, but in case you weren't, the book of Acts, Luke records okay, different ways people are filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And just for clarity's sake with the semantics of it, we're going to say what we talk about here at the meeting place, we talk about the first time that you're filled with the Holy Spirit, we call that your baptism in the Holy Spirit. Okay? Just to, as Jesus, John the Baptist said, Jesus is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And then Paul talks about in Ephesians 5.19 and that, you go on being filled. Okay? So we just say, you can, you can different ways, but I'm just trying to be clear. We just talk about baptism in the Spirit is the first time that you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And then we go on being filled, we're going to talk about. In Acts chapter 2, it's kind of a unique one. It's disciples, the 120 that are together, because Jesus had said, wait, the Spirit hadn't been poured out yet. Jesus returns. They're in the upper room, you remember? Mighty rushing wind, tongues of fire. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. They speak in different tongues. And a tongue is a prayer and a praise to God. And other people hear them. And sometimes it can be in earthly language that we understand, but the speaker themselves doesn't understand. Or it can be an angelic language that none of us know. In this case, they spoke languages they didn't learn, but other people around them knew. And people who were in Jerusalem said, who are these guys? They're, they're declaring praises to God in our language. And that got their attention. And then Peter, who was a coward before, now filled with the Holy Spirit, got up and he preaches Jesus to the same people who had just killed Jesus a little while ago. But that's kind of unique. Because that was the first time. And hallelujah, we don't have to wait anymore. Some people still think, well, if I seek God long enough, and if I wait long enough, and if I get holy enough, and God cleanses me out, and then I'll be clean on the inside, and then the Holy Spirit will fill me once I wait long enough. Okay? From this point on, that doesn't happen. That was a unique thing. Okay, Acts chapter 8. Do you remember Philip? Persecution breaks out. Philip goes to Samaria, which is a bit taboo. Okay, but Philip goes, and he preaches Jesus, and it says they believe the word of God. They received Jesus. They were baptized in Jesus' name. I don't think Philip would baptize them if they weren't believers. And then this interesting thing happens. Peter and John are sent from Jerusalem to check things out. And Peter and John come, and they realize they're not baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit. And you can read it in Acts 8. We don't know if that was days later, weeks later, months later. But there definitely was a time between coming a Christian and being filled with the Holy Spirit. Peter and John come along. They lay hands on them. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. It doesn't say they spoke in tongues. It doesn't say they prophesied. All we know is they're filled. But something happened because Simon the sorcerer said, can I buy you, can I pay you money so I can do what you just did? So we don't know all the details, which is good because then we can't make a complete formula out of it. But we know something happened. That was evidence for Simon to go, hey, I'm, I know some magic tricks, but this is the real deal. How do I pay money to get that? And Peter had to rebuke him. And then Saul in Acts 9. You remember Saul who became Paul who is the guy going to Ephesus? <laughs> he was anti-Christian. He was a hater of Christians. He was persecuting Christians. Stephen was stone killed. Paul approved of it. He's on his way to Damascus to do even more damage. He has an incredible encounter with Jesus. Incredible. Knocked him right off his horse. He's blind. Okay, he doesn't eat or drink anything for three days. And you would think, we were thinking, man, if I could just have an experience with God, 
Okay? Then I'd be all set. Paul had an experience with God. But we read this in Acts 9. God has to get Ananias. And Ananias was saying, I ain't going. <laughs> God, I, don't know, I know you're busy, but maybe you haven't understood. But this guy's been persecuting us. He's coming to kill us. And you want me to go pray for him? And, but God said, go. So Ananias, bless him, eh? He goes and he prays for Saul. And it says that he's filled with the Holy Spirit. Now you would think, if he had an encounter like that with God, wouldn't he be filled with the Holy Spirit? That doesn't what the Bible says. It says he was filled with the Holy Spirit when Ananias prayed for him three days later. And then he was baptized in water after that. And it doesn't say he prayed in tongues. It doesn't say he prophesied. Pretty actually plain. But we know later, Paul said, I speak in tongues more than any of you. Do you follow me here? There's some general things, but it's not in a box. There's a big box, <laughs> but not too boxed in. And then in chapter 10, we read about Cornelius. And he's a Gentile, so he's really far off. He's one of those guys Peter's saying is really far off because he's excluded from the Jewish promises. And remember, Peter has a vision, and God's like, go, and he has to tell him over and over again. And Peter finally goes, and Cornelius has a vision, and they meet. And Peter broke all the rules by going into Cornelius' house as a Gentile, a Jew and Gentile. And Peter began to clue in. Oh, I see now that, God, you don't show any favoritism, that you love everybody. And he begins to explain to them Jesus. And he says, you've heard about Jesus, okay? Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. He went around doing good. He went around breaking the works of the devil. And he begins to teach them about forgiveness of sins in Jesus. And while he's preaching, the Holy Spirit comes. And we would say they're saved, converted, baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit all within minutes of one another. And then they're baptized in water after that. And it says they begin speaking in tongues and prophesying. And the Jewish believers, Peter, they're going like, who would ever have thunk it? Can you believe this? They're filled with the Holy Spirit just like we're filled with the Holy Spirit. And then Peter had to go explain himself in chapter 11. Because you get called in. What are you doing with those Gentiles? They're like, well, guys, you're not going to believe this, but this is what happened, man. God gave me a vision. I went. Cornelius had a vision. I began to preach in Jesus. I didn't even get done my sermon. The Holy Spirit came. They got saved. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. We said, How? they should be baptized in water too because they received the Spirit just like we did. And then they baptized them in water. And everybody went, wow, cool. Well, that's the Joe Crummy paraphrase anyways. <laughs> they were happy. They rejoiced. They're like, this message is for the Gentiles as well. And Peter clues in. He goes, well, I remember Jesus saying something about that. <laughs> and all of a sudden, the promises to Abraham that all the nations are going to be blessed through you. Ding, ding, ding. They start to connect the dots. Old Testament. Okay. This is really important. We're spending a lot of time on the background. Because we're going to see and I think John Lyndon already prayed it out about salvation that. It's the same thing with receiving the Holy Spirit. The key thing is here, guys, the whole, receiving the Holy Spirit is a gift. Salvation is a gift from God. We can't earn it. We can't earn God's forgiveness. It's a gift. Jesus died on the cross. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? When we were still rebellious enemies of God. We can't earn it. Can't say, well, if I get my life cleaned up, then I'll present myself to God. And maybe I'll be good enough, and I'll wear my best suit, and I'll get my hair all done, and I'll come before God, and I won't do anything wrong for a week or two. And we feel it's like 
Christmas is coming and we're getting ready for Santa Claus. If I, I know he's checking his list and he's checking it twice, but if he forgets everything back then, and if he just looks at the last two months, I've been really good, so maybe I'll be acceptable. It doesn't work that way. For two reasons. One, we're in Adam. We're in, we're born in sin. We've got a cancer of sin in us that right from the time we're born, and we do enough ourselves to make us not perfect. And receiving the Holy Spirit's a gift. Okay? It's not earned, and we see it's for everybody. The Samaritans received the Holy Spirit. Okay? They were a bit checkered according to the Jewish people. Okay? Paul received the Holy Spirit. Paul had... Do you remember what Paul did? He was persecuting Christians. Jesus said, Paul... Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Three days later, Ananias is sent to pray. Paul didn't have three months, three years to say, now Paul, you get your life together and if you fast and pray enough and if you repent enough and if you do all these things, I'll check in on three or five years and if you've been a good boy, then I'll give you my Holy Spirit. And Cornelius, man, Gentiles, they're outside of all the promises. We're building a case here. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is a promise from the Old Testament all the way through. Jesus said, the promise of the Father. We can see in the New Testament, and Luke makes a point in Acts, inspired by the Holy Spirit, to say the bottom line is, some people, different ways, were born again, converted, conversion, whatever term we use to become a Christian like Cornelius, and baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit, all in one go all at the same time other people like the samaritans they believed the message they were baptized in water and then a period of time and then they were baptized in the holy spirit paul we believe three days and here in ephesus we're going to take a look at why this is so important don't you think that's a funny question to ask when we read that paul says this and he said to them did you receive the holy spirit when you believed and they said no we've not even heard that there is the Holy Spirit. Now you think of all the questions. If you went to, you know, if I was going to go to a different church and I'm there and I'm ready to speak and I'm hanging out with them and you know what? I might ask them some questions like, hey, what do you believe? What's your theology? What do you believe about this? Whatever. But that's a really funny question to ask. That Paul's there. He's with them and all of a sudden he starts to clue into something. Something is just not quite right Here. And I don't know about you, but for me, if I went to most churches, that question would not be the first thing I'd be looking for or asking for. Maybe it should be after reading this. <laughs> but Paul comes, and he unashamedly, he says, um, guys, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And he begins this whole question of how important it is to be baptized and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, here we're going to take a little time out because many Christians believe these guys in Ephesus weren't Christians. And they were just baptized into John's baptism. So we've got to take a time out there and just take a look at that. Okay? A couple of things. So some Christians say, what I'm about to say isn't true because when Paul got there, these guys weren't even Christians yet. Okay? So that's a valid thing. Just, let's just take a look at that for a second. We see this though. Paul uses, or Luke uses, in Acts 19, the same word, disciple, in verse 1. Okay? As he uses in verse 9 later, it's the exact same word, disciple, 
when it's obvious in verse 9 that the disciples went with them, that they were followers and believers in Jesus. So Paul uses the same word. If we look at chapter 18, and we read about Apollos being there in Ephesus, we read this. Meanwhile, a Jew named Apollos, this is the end of 18, from Alexandria, came to Ephesus. He was a learned man with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures. He had been instructed in the way of the Lord, that's Jesus, and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately, though he knew only the baptism of John. And he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, and when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home and explained to him the way of God more adequately. That's NIV. Isn't that polite? It explains. Now, I'm looking, I'm reading that, and when Paul goes to Ephesus, to me, I think they're Christians. Apollos was there. He, he thoroughly knew the scriptures. He knew about the way of the Lord. He taught accurately about Jesus. He had a response, but he only knew John's baptism. To me, I'm convinced. And then he says this. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He didn't say, are you guys Christians? He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Believe what? Believed in Jesus for salvation. So, this is where we're coming from. That baptism of the Spirit is vital. It's not a perhaps. It's not an option. Okay, And there's no pressure. So, don't get me wrong because we'll explain this out just trying to make the point we cannot live we weren't meant to and we cannot live a victorious christian life if we're not filled with the holy spirit that's the what we're getting to jesus saved us we're going to see and that was what he did on the cross but through his resurrection and his ascension the part a lot of times we miss out as christians is he ascended to the father so that he could give the promise of the holy spirit I think Paul's making the point here. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is absolutely vital. So much so, Paul would say, time out. Hey, I like being with you guys, but let me just ask a question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Quite a question to ask. Now the good news is this. Not to get it too complicated. I'm just trying to build a point and then we're going to get to yes, but how. The great thing is, it's not complicated to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, first of all, you need to be saved. You need to become a Christian. And to be filled with the Holy Spirit is the same way you become a Christian. Both, you go to Jesus. We go to Jesus for salvation. Jesus all the way through said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the good shepherd. I am the gate. I am the vine. You can just go through with all the I am statements which makes a connection to the Old Testament. Okay? And Moltz and Canadians stole it. Okay, when they did the I am Canadian things, they stole it from the Bible. <laughs> Jesus was the first one to say, I am. And he goes through all the different things that he is. And we have this sin problem. That's what we get to. So this always comes first, folks. You can't be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I've had people come who aren't Christians, who've seen someone be filled with the Holy Spirit, they've seen an experience, and they come and they want that experience, but they don't realize what comes first. Is that actually we have this sin issue that we need to deal with. And John the Baptist, who was sent to say that Jesus is coming, said these two things about Jesus. He said first, he's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So that's dealing with the salvation, the sin issue. 
And then he also said this, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now in my background, I only heard about the first one. I only heard about John 3.16, and hallelujah I did. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only Son, whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. I heard about Jesus, Lamb of God. But I never heard about Luke 3.16. You think, Luke 3.16? I've never seen Luke 3.16 up on a banner at a hockey or a football game. Someday I want to do it just to get people's attention, okay? Sometimes you see John 3.16, banner man. I want to put Luke 3.16 up there. And people are like, Luke 3.16? Because John the Baptist says in Luke 3.16, speaking to Jesus, I'm unworthy, even untie his shoelaces. But he is going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I think a lot of times in the Christian church, hallelujah, we've done Jesus, Lamb of God, takes away the sins of the world. We haven't done Jesus is the one who baptizes us in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And we need to get Lamb of God first. Absolutely. We have the sin problem. Okay, we're separated from God because of our rebellion towards God, our own deeds that have broken God's law, that we're independent, that we think we can walk without God, all of those different things. We're born into sin. When we got a problem, we can't rescue ourselves. And that's why Jesus was sent. That's why we celebrate Christmas coming up. Jesus was sent to be the Savior because we couldn't save ourselves and to bring us back into right relationship with the Father in Heaven. Hallelujah. In order to do that, we believe Jesus. He's our Savior. He died for our sins. Peter preached it. Jesus preached it. Paul preached it. We repent. We turn from whatever we are following, ourselves, other things, and we turn to Jesus. And we stop the things we were doing with God's help, and we put our faith in Jesus Christ to be our Lord and Savior. And we believe we receive forgiveness of sins, a clear conscience, all those things. We do the same thing to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if anyone's thirsty, come to me. John 7, 37, 39. And it says that he, and he said, and streams of living water will flow from your innermost being. And by this he meant the Spirit who had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. And many of us, for years, we believe Jesus, Lamb of God, we become Christians, okay? And we know what we're supposed to do but we're not given the power to then live out what we're supposed to live out. And we leave defeated lies and we deal with guilt and shame because we can't get free of sin and we don't understand things and we just hold on for heaven and hopefully, by God's grace, Jesus will let me in. And we miss out. God's given His Spirit. He said, I won't leave you as orphans. Okay? Rivers of living water will flow that we can live a victorious life. We still battle every day, absolutely, but we're empowered to say no to temptation, yes to Jesus. We're empowered to be a witness. We're given spiritual gifts. We're given the fruit of the Spirit. Vital, vital, vital. So we come to Jesus both ways. And then the question always gets, what's the evidence of being baptized or filled with the Holy Spirit? And we're just going to touch on this briefly. Okay, I think the most important one is this, the first one, assurance. That when we're baptized, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, we know that we know that we know that God loves us, that Jesus has saved us, that we're forgiven, and that we're a child of God. That's the biggest evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit. 
And Paul talks about it in Romans 8. He talks about it in Galatians 4. He says that you've received the spirit of adoption that cries out, Abba, Father. Not just wishful thinking, not just faking it, but real. Father in heaven. Father in heaven. Jesus was the first one to say, Abba, Father. Okay, that was radical for the Jews. Almighty, holy God, consuming fire. Abba, Father. We're given that same spirit of adoption. And I remember when I was filled with the Holy Spirit, for the first time in my life, I believed by faith that Jesus loved me, that he died for me. And I was like, but you know what? To be honest, I prayed that prayer 30 or 40 times over years. Because every time there was an altar call or something, I'm like, well, I'm not really sure if it took last time, so I'm going to pray it again just, to be, just in case. When I was filled with the Holy Spirit, Abba, Father, I know I belong to you. I know I'm your child. I know it's real in every way, theologically, experientially. Okay? There's power there. What else? There's boldness. Before I was filled with the Holy Spirit, I was a closet Christian. Okay? This is my own story on these things. Okay? I knew I was a Christian. I knew I was saved. I knew right from wrong. I knew Jesus. I knew cross. I knew I needed to be forgiven. I knew heaven, hell, all those things. But I told no one because I was ashamed of the gospel. I wasn't quite sure if it was real for myself, let alone try to tell anyone else. Okay? And I did my one hour on Sunday. I didn't tell anyone, never invited anyone, didn't share anything. I just tried to be a good boy. That's what I thought it was to be a Christian. But when I received the Holy Spirit, I didn't care who knew that I was following Jesus. There's a boldness. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witnesses. Okay? Love, Romans 5.5. 5. The Holy Spirit pours the love of the Father into our heart. My self-identity, self-image, feeling lonely, lost, all those things were vaporized when the love of God gets poured into our hearts. And folks, it is experiential. For me, it was experiential. Okay? I felt the love of God. Okay? It broke me. I cried. I wept like a baby. Best thing that ever happened to me. Okay? God healed stuff, set me free from stuff. That's prophecy. We get to hear from God and we get to speak God's word out. Sometimes it's his word, pictures, things that edify, strengthen, encourage others. That's a whole other teaching. And then the big one, tongues. Tongues, I'm just going to say, you speak in a different language because tongues always, that word just freaks people out, okay? But you say, hey, speak in a different language. Martin and Ann speak German. No big deal. <laughs> we understand that. All right, Roger speaks Chinese. That's cool. We understand that. We say, Roger speaks in a different tongue. Hmm. What do you mean by that? Okay. So don't let tongues freak you out, okay? Sometimes it's mentioned they spoke in tongues when they were filled with the Holy Spirit. Sometimes it says they did. Sometimes it says they didn't. Okay? We're not going to put God in a box and we're going to say, the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is that you speak in tongues. We don't believe that. Because okay. there's places in the New Testament and the book of Acts where it doesn't say that happened. Now we need to bring more teaching in and to say tongues are a gift from God and Paul says when we pray in a tongue we edify ourselves. Our mind might be unfruitful so it's a great thing. Paul says I pray in tongues more than anyone. And then there's the gift of tongues as we see sometimes in our corporate meeting someone has a tongue and an interpretation. So this is a tension. We're saying no you don't have to speak in tongues to, have, to be filled with the Holy Spirit. However, we want to make you aware and we had this happen at our youth group a couple weeks ago that if you don't teach on it, 
We prayed for, Gord did this exact same message. We prayed for kids to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And guess what? Some of them start speaking in tongues. And if you don't teach about it, then that really freaks them out if they've never heard about it. So you say, and this is what could happen, and we're open to see what God does. Okay? And without anyone prompting them or anything, woo, they start speaking tongues. They're just like, wow, this is powerful. Folks, it's for today. This is where we're getting to. Okay? But don't let tongues freak you out. It's all those things. If we don't talk about it, and it happens, people go, why didn't anyone talk about it? And if we talk about it and it doesn't happen, people are all disappointed. So that's the tension we're in. We focus more on these first ones. Okay, last thing. And we'll... Paul laid his hands on them. The Holy Spirit came on them. They began speaking in tongues and prophesying. And folks, we're still asking the same question today. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That's the biggest question. And folks, it's a safe place to admit that maybe I haven't. And sometimes what happens in the meeting place, because you can come in and sometimes you can think, well, everyone, sometimes, I've heard this said, well, everyone's more spiritual than me, everyone's way ahead of me, and, you know, or maybe you've come to the meeting place and you've been here a while and you're like, I don't really think I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, but man, I've been here for a couple months or I've been here a year or two and everyone else is, and what if I say, I haven't been, if people have been thinking I've been faking and oh, it gets into all kinds of, it's okay to say, you know what, I'm not sure. Okay, well, let's talk. Let's look at scripture. Okay, if we're fearful about it, it's okay to admit that. And we can come look at the scripture as Jesus says, hey, Luke 11, you know what, you people who are evil, even though you're an evil dad, you know how to give good gifts to your kids. How much more our Father in Heaven is going to give good gifts when we ask for the Holy Spirit. So we can alleviate fear. Okay? We can alleviate disappointment. Maybe we didn't understand from Scripture. And maybe we prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit and nothing happened and now we're disappointed. We need to talk those things through. So again, we can come back to Scripture. We can look to Jesus. Maybe it's just ignorant like these guys in Ephesus. I've never even heard this before. That was me, for sure. Okay? I didn't even know there was a baptism in the Holy Spirit. And once people showed me from Scripture, woo! And sometimes we feel inadequate. Man, I just no, I'm not good enough and all that. Good. You got it. Right there. We'll stop right there. You got it right there. You're not good enough. Good. Don't go any further. You're right. You're not good enough. That's why it's a gift. Now we've got to repent, faith, believe Jesus. But hopefully you see evidence from just here in the book of Acts. Okay? God didn't give them time to get their lives all figured out. We need the Holy Spirit so then we can get our lives figured out. It's really important. Example from Acts today, as we've just said, just to reiterate, sometimes that conversion. We've had people in our church here, you guys, okay, who have become a Christian, they've repented from their sins, they've put their faith in Jesus Christ, and at, in the same sort of sentence and time that they're doing that, and they're becoming a Christian for the very first time, that they've prayed to be filled with the Holy Spirit, they're baptized in the Spirit, they're speaking in tongues, they're prophesying all within five minutes of one another. Just like Cornelius. You can say, here's the biblical evidence for what just happened. We've got people in our church like that. We've had people in our church like this after conversion in Samaria. They've become a Christian. Okay, again, they've repented, put their faith in Christ. Sometimes they've even been baptized in water. And a period of time goes by. And then we go through things like this. 
And then, like the Samaritans, Peter and John came along, laid their hands on them, then they're filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, it could be days, weeks, maybe even months. And you say, well, was I Christian back then, or did I just become a Christian now? We talked through that. And like, no, you probably became a Christian back then, but look at the guys in Samaria. That happened to them, too. Or, sometimes it's a long time. I went, I think, probably 10 years. I think when I became a Christian, and again, Nicky Gumbel, it's a helpful illustration. I'm not quite sure what verse he gets it from, but it's a helpful illustration. He says in Alpha, when you become a Christian, it's like the pilot light goes on. That wasn't there before. It's like the Holy Spirit resides in you. You are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. But with a pilot light, what do we want to do? We want to crank the burner so it goes... And he talks about in that illustration, that's what it's like to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You can't become a Christian without the Holy Spirit helping you and residing in you. Okay, so let's be clear on that. I should have said that earlier. But then we want baptized. The word is, baptizo, is to be soaked, drenched, plunged. Okay, they use it like we talk about it when we talk about water baptism. That's why we do full immersion. It's like taking a cloth of garment that's one color and you dip it in the dye so much that when it comes up, it's in the other color. That's what the word baptism, baptizo, means. And we've had people in our church, me being one of them, okay, and we've had some even recently, okay, been Christians for a long time, have been in the meeting place for a long time, and who have just recently been filled with the Holy Spirit. It's wonderful. There's no guilt, shame in that. My point is, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Let's not wait even 10 more years. Let's talk about it today. So this morning, the question is, first of all, are you a Christian? That's the biggest question. Hey, do you understand sin? How the wrath of God is still on you? How only Jesus is the Savior? And we put our faith and trust in Him when we turn from our sins. We look to Jesus. We ask Him to be our Lord and Savior. His Spirit comes and lives within us. We're declared not guilty anymore. Everything we sang about before the throne of God, that now applies to us. Gary read it out. We're free from the power of sin. The penalty of sin has been paid for. God helps clear up the pollution of sin. The partition of sin that separated us from God as Father has been removed. We're now in Christ. Hallelujah. We'd love to pray with you about that this morning. And then, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Right now, if you become a Christian, we're going to pray for you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And maybe you've been Christian for a little while and you feel like, I don't know if I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. We're going to pray for you. And maybe you've been here and you say, I know I've been a Christian for years. And what you're talking about this morning, I don't have. There's no shame, guilt in that whatsoever. We just come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I take you at your word. I take the promise all the way through the Old Testament. I take what Peter said on the day of Pentecost. The promise of the Father is for you, your children, for all who are far, for all who are called by the Lord. And by faith, I'm going to receive it as a free gift today. And then we're going to help just walk you through what that looks like to apprehend that. We come to Jesus. Jesus, I'm thirsty today. If anyone thirsts, come to me. We come to Jesus. We get thirsty for him. Okay? We believe the promises of God. We believe the word of God. We ask, say, Jesus, would you come and baptize me? in your Holy Spirit. Would you come and fill me? Those of us who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, Paul says in Ephesians 5, you go on being filled. So we keep asking, God, I need you to fill me with your Spirit.
and then we receive. Okay? And Don's used the illustration many times, right? The cake was provided for him. Everything was provided. Here it is. Don still has to grab hold of it for himself, even though it's been provided. He didn't make the cake for his birthday. It was provided to him, but he has to receive it. And it's the same with salvation. It's all been done. Jesus, it is finished on the cross, but we have to confess with our mouth. We believe in our heart, Jesus Christ and Lord. Baptism of the Spirit, we, same thing, I believe in Jesus, now I receive. And we begin to drink. We begin to say, Jesus, I believe you right now, that you're filling me with your Holy Spirit. I receive. Come and fill me. We engage. Okay, so it's not just a passive waiting for something, the water balloon to fall from the ceiling to hit us. Okay? And maybe I'll get wet. It's engaging God. God, I believe you. I seek you. I love you. I trust you. Now come, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Okay? And we're going to see what happens. Okay? Paul, did you receive the Spirit when you believed? Absolutely vital. That's why we're spending, this is a stake in the ground. This is one of those things. It's not a pressure thing. It's more like this. Paul so loved people and he knew what Jesus accomplished on the cross for salvation. And it hurts God's heart, I believe, Paul, for Christians to miss out on what Jesus has provided for by not only dying on the cross for us, but ascending back to heaven so that he could send the Holy Spirit so that we wouldn't be orphans anymore. The old covenant Work. They knew the Ten Commandments. They knew all the laws. They didn't have any power to follow it. Jesus now, by His Spirit, writes on our hearts. And He empowers us to live a life that pleases God. 